Hello, I'm Pastor Derek. Now let's be honest for a minute. Are you guilty of wanting others to do and be what you want them to be and do? Well, John had this problem with Jesus and so do you and I. Listen as I share how we are all guilty of looking at Jesus through our own lens, even at the expense of error, when we should be looking to the Word of God for our answers. I hope this message blesses you, and I hope that you learn how to not look through your own lens and own perspective about what God should do. Be blessed. And I'm not going to be too long. I want to share something with you that I think is going to be a blessing to you that I think will give you something to think about um, this week as we go throughout the week. That's the, the gospel of Luke chapter 7. Chapter 7. Turn your Bible, turn your ebook, your your tablet, your iPhone 8 plus S. Do we have 8 plus yet? You know, I can't keep up with them. I don't know where we're at. I still got the little Samsung. I want a flip phone. Anybody find one, let me know. That's what I want. I want me a flip phone. <laughs> take my life back. I got to take my life back for my cell phone. Some of y'all got to take y'all lives back too, though. <laughs> yes. <laughs> got to take our lives back, cell phones, and just tuck us, tuck us over. We can't do nothing without them, can we? The Gospel of, the gospel of Luke, chapter 7. And I'm going to begin reading at verse 18. Then John's disciples told him about all these things. There were some things that they saw, some things that they witnessed. And they they went to John and they told him. So John summoned two of his disciples. And he sent them to the Lord asking, Are you the one who is to come? Or should we look for someone else? When the man reached him, They said, John the Baptist sent us to ask you, are you the one to come or should we look for someone else? And I'm going to stop right there and I'm going to talk on that thought right there. Are you the one or should we look for someone else? When you look around today, Churches are divided because of their ideology and what they may think about Jesus Christ. Within the church, members in the body of Christ is divided because of what we may think about Jesus Christ, our attitude about him, the way we think that he is or the way that we think he should respond the way we think he ought to be families are divided because they can't see eye to eye with regard to faith with regard to uh, the practitioner or or the principles of their belief husbands and wife are, are divided because of of how one may see jesus and how the other may see Jesus. One person thinks this about Jesus. Another person thinks that about Jesus. And it keeps us from coming together because who's right and who's wrong. 
And it's our orientation that somebody be right and somebody be wrong. And as it is, when we come to Christ, when we come to the church, all of us, none of us avoid or exempt of bringing our own backgrounds to the relationship. And we oftentimes look at Jesus or we look at our, our walk with God through our own lens. And we come to our conclusions about what to think, what to feel, what to believe through our own lens. And I believe that's why there's a scripture that says, lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways, trust, lean, depend on God and he will direct our path because we can come to wrong conclusions and we can have a wrong opinion about what we think God ought to be. The disciples had the same struggle. They thought that Jesus should be some kind of way. And the way they thought he should be, whatever it is, it needs to harmonize with what I think, Lord, you ought to be. And we, have, we bring that same mentality to our relationship with the Lord. We think the Lord ought to move when we want him to move. We think he ought to do what we want him to do. We think he ought to bless when we want, when we want him to bless, even if we're not ready for the blessing. Bless us anyway, Lord. It's kind of like a child, you know, uh, my son, when he, you know, when he was young, you know, imagine he being eight years old and, and he come in the house and, oh, no, 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 five years old. And he come in the house and, and he, he want me to just give him a 12-gauge shotgun. That's me giving him something prematurely. That's me giving him something that he's not even ready for. And that's me giving him something that could really hurt him or possibly kill him if he don't know what he's doing with it. And sometimes we too can ask our father for things that we're not yet ready for. But it comes out of this lens that we look and perceive God to be. So John the Baptist, Jesus said concerning John, there's not a man born of woman that's greater than John the Baptist. He too was a, a, a product of the Holy Spirit. He too was born in a miraculous fashion. And God the Father would send him to be the forerunner for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He would come and make the pathway straight in order for men and women to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. This would be John the Baptist. John would preach a message that he would say that the ax is at the foot of the tree ready to cut down anything that was unfruitful, that was unproductive. He would, he would preach a message of repentance. He would go out in the wilderness and people would come to him to be baptized. And John would say to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, he would call them, you brood of vipers. He would demonstrate boldness and courage when he preached the gospel message. But he was preaching about a Jesus that was defying what he believed him to be. And so when it got to the point, and, 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 and when, when, when the disciples, Jesus had just entered a city called Nain, and it was a woman who had lost her son, and, and the scripture says, and she was a widow. And when Jesus saw her, the Bible says he had compassion on her. And he entered the, interrupted the funeral procession and simply laid his hand on the coffin, and her son was raised from the dead. 
And then Jesus took the woman's son and presented the son back to her. Because what he was giving her back was her provision, her, her, her protection, her security. He was giving that back to her. So he understood what she was feeling and what she was going through. And so, and not just that, but there was a satyrian, a satyrian soldier whose, whose servant was at home, really ill, sick, and about to die. And the man came up to Jesus and he says, look, I'm a man of authority. Not only am I a man of authority, but I'm under authority. I understand how authority works. I don't need you to come to my house. All I need you to do is just speak the word. And if you speak the word, my servant will be whole. And Jesus said, verily I say unto you, in all of Israel, I haven't saw any faith this strong. That, that, that you can just come and say, just speak the word. And guess what? That's, that's exactly what we need in some, some, some of our situations. We don't, all the Lord has to do is just speak the word. And our situation will be made different. Everything will be all right. And he said, look, just speak the word and my servant will be made whole. And Jesus did just that. He said, because of your faith, it is as you said. And when the man was going back home, his, his servants came out to meet him and they told him what had happened. And the guy says, look, what, what time did it happen? And when they told him what time it happened, he said, okay, I, I know what's going on. That's the time that I spoke with Jesus. And John's disciples saw all of this. And that's what we pick up in verse 18. And they went and told Jesus about these things. And when John heard it, he struggled with, is this the one or should we be looking for another? Because John is now in prison because he condemned or he, 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 he told Herod that the relationship that he was in was unlawful. And because of that, Herod had him thrown in prison. And not only that, but his life was on the line. So John had a moment where he struggled with the identity of Jesus. Are you the one or should we look for another? And so when they came back and told him, look, man, he, he's, he's healing the, the, the blind, the lame is walking, the deaf, he's giving them back their, their hearing, you know, he's doing all these things. John said, that ain't what he's supposed to be doing. Because he had a different perspective about how he thought God would work. And we too can see God at work in our lives, in the lives of other people. And if you're not careful, you'll condemn your father for doing something good because you don't understand what he's doing. And so John sent his disciples and, and Jesus sent them back. He said, you go tell John, blessed is the man who is not offended in me. And tell him what you see. Because here's the thing. When Jesus came, we read in John chapter 17 that it was his express purpose to show us what the Father was like. And prior to that, no one knew what the Father was like. And you have people, you have people who usurp authority and they try to tell us what God is like, but they themselves don't know what God is like. 
and we end up with all this erroneous teaching and nobody knows what God is like. And it was Thomas that walked with Jesus and he said, look, show us the Father. And Jesus said, Thomas, all this time that I've been with you, how can you say, show us the Father? Don't you know that when you've seen me, you've seen the Father? What did we see? We saw him full of grace. We saw him full of mercy. We saw him full of compassion. We saw him full of understanding. And yet we still want to try to make God to be what we want him to be. And you can't shape God. You can't fashion God with your hands. You can't contain him in no building. And all these things we've tried to do. And we've, we've created this, this chasm between people that stops us and interferes with us from worshiping God in spirit and in truth. And as it is today, many people cannot, will not turn to the Lord Jesus Christ because they're still asking the question, are you the one or should we look for another? And we're trying different things. You know, we, we, we got, what we got now? We got universalism, we got new age-ism, colloquialism, I'm just messing with you. We got all kind of isms. But we won't come to Jesus because we're still asking that question. Are you the one or should we look for another? Now, if John the Baptist could have a moment where he struggled, you and I can have a moment too where we struggle. If he can have a moment and he's on the front line, you know that you and I can have a moment. And let me say this, sometimes you do, y'all. You have moments where you'll look, and, 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 I, and I, I mentioned this yesterday, where, where, where when God intentionally be silent and you're seeking him diligently, you're seeking him earnestly with all your heart, but you still can have a moment and you too will say, Lord, are you the one or should I look for another? But let me encourage you. I don't want to leave you there. When that moment comes, when that overtakes you, you anchor, lift up your countenance and know that you serve the true and the living God and that you're just having a moment. It's just the moment and it ain't going to last always, but this is, is just the moment. But we all go through some things in life where we may ask that question, Lord, are you the one or should we look for another? But no, here's what I know. I know that you are the one. And I know because I tried you for myself. And I can look back over my life and I can see consistently how you've delivered, how you've provided, how you've cared, how you've rescued, how you've took care of how you've reigned providentially. And that's what we have to do. I'm not the, I'm not the journaling type. I don't, I don't journal, you know. People, you know, a lot of people journal, and that, that's good. I'm not the journaling type. But I do, like the, I do like to reflect. I do like to sit up and think. And I, I like to look back over, you know, over the year, over the month, over the, the last couple of years. And when I reflect and I look back, I can see nothing but God's activity and hand on my life. 
And that's why I thank him for this thing when I say, thank you for your benevolence. See, because it's, it's his benevolence that keeps us, even when we're out there in left field and we, not even, we don't even have sense enough to keep ourselves, it's his benevolence that keeps us. And I can look back over my life and I can constantly see where his activity and his involvement was in my life keeping me and still keeps me to bring me to a place in him and to bring me to the end that he is working out in my life. And he's doing the same thing for you. Amen? This is real stuff. And I'm getting ready to close. You know, and I talked about that. And I've shared this story before, but if you, if you look on my arm, you, you see these cuts on my, my, my arm. And of course, my brother, you remember this. But you see these cuts on my arm. And, and this happened back in 1988. And it's, it's, it's less than a half an inch from my main artery. And the doctor said, of course, if, if it would have cut my main artery, I probably would have bled out. At 18, it was 1988, I think I was 13 years old. And even in that, that dark moment, a very dark moment, God was with me. And even in that, there was a plan for my life. I'm not the only one had some dark moments. When you start to reflect, you can look back and you can say, Lord, I'm so grateful that even though I didn't know you at that time, you knew me and you kept me and you spared me for such a time as this. And see, that's when you can give, you see, you gotta, you gotta be able to come to your own conclusion. I know that you're the one. I don't have to look for another. I've resolved it. And will you resolve it on the day? You need to resolve that he is the one I'm not looking for any other alternatives, but Jesus is my answer. That's who I'm going to. He's my solution. He's my peace. He's my security. He's my salvation. He's my eternal life. He's my resurrected life. He's my power. He's my proof. He's my lawyer. He's my doctor. He's my healing. He's my everything. You are the one. It's settled. John had a moment. I've had a moment. Some of you have had moments. But we resolve on this day. He's the one. We ain't got to look for another. Let us pray. Father, we love you and we thank you. And I pray that what I've just shared would be a blessing to your people. And how... And it speaks to, Lord, how we can just have the wrong idea, attitude about who you are. We forget how mighty you are and the fact that you are not just busy saving Mississippi, Louisiana, Texas, Nevada, Michigan, Wisconsin, but you're global. And you meet people where they're at. And so sometimes, Father, we, we look at you through our own lens, and sometimes our lens don't get outside the city of Jackson. And we forget that you're reaching people all around the world for your namesake. It was John that said he looked,
and behold, before the throne, he saw all nations, all people, all kindreds, tongues, standing before the throne, giving you praise and glory. So, Father, as we live our life, let us live our lives with that sensitivity, understanding that there are some things that we won't understand about you because we may look at it wrongly through our own lens. But even those things that we don't understand, if we would ask you for wisdom, you'll give it to us that we'll be able to understand. Help us, Father, to live out our lives in a way that honors you and bless you. And we'll be careful, as we always say, to give you honor, praise, and glory in everything that we do. In Jesus' name, this is our prayer. Amen.